0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Don Rose joins us from U.S. Commodities as we look at a Tuesday market trade today. Uh, first of all, we're going to start out on the grain side. Many wondering, what is this yield going to be in the countryside? We know harvest is picked back up after some nice dry days for producers, but there seems to be a lot of what-ifs out there, Don.
1: Yeah, you know, Susan, uh, good afternoon. There, but there really is a lot of what is because I think when the yield went down uh, in the October report versus September, it really brings up the question mark, is it going to go down again in November and is it going to go down again in the final report in January? And what we're really finding out is uh, the yields, I would say, in northern half of Iowa are very variable. And you can take that straight into southern uh, Minnesota and over into Wisconsin. So I think the it's always hard to get these monster yields when you're in a wet area. And we had some of the areas up north just too wet. Um, so I would say that you have to be careful with thinking the yields are going to get bigger. I think they probably get smaller again. And, uh, you know, in some areas, we're really, uh, Susan, starting to wind down, harvest a little bit on corn. You know, Illinois probably is zeroing in on uh, close to 90 percent harvested as of today.
0: So as you look at that and you see the numbers that are starting to come in, how important do you see this upcoming next USDA report to be when we're looking at so many variable conditions throughout the upper Midwest?
1: Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, harvest is going to be pretty far along by the time we hit the November uh, crop report. You know, hopefully pretty well done, but we'll see. But, you know, I think what we're finding is the end users want to get covered uh, now. Uh, for example, uh, Decatur, Illinois, overnight jumped the corn basis to option price, uh, so a zero basis night. So it just tells you that the demand is underneath the market and the uh, corn demand. Is really actually solid from uh, an export standpoint. Our exports are up seventy two percent versus year ago. I mean that's truly amazing. Our feed demand is up our ethanol uh, grind uh, we think will be up so uh, strong demand underneath the market and you know we had South America remember they basically had a short crop in Argentina and Brazil. The Ukraine corn crop is larger. They're competing with us all the way through next August. But I think the uh, corn market is going to be well supported on breaks and uh, funds now are long 20,000 contracts as of uh, last Tuesday, Susan, and that's the first time since June that they've been long. So I think it tells us that also money managers want to be positive the corn market.
0: When we look across the nation, we can really say we're just about to that halfway point when it comes to crop progress and, and harvest. What does that do or are we seeing any change to the basis around the Midwest?
1: You know, we really are. I think, uh, you know, the basis levels are starting to firm up. You know, we talked about the Illinois basis uh, going back to option. And I think uh, the basis levels are so wide across the country that I think the uh, end user wants to try and take advantage of those. But, and with the big carries, but just not able to, uh, uh, to, to go to work and secure the supply. So I think what you're going to find is once we tuck uh, the crop away... Which uh, And when you get 50% through harvest, then you start to see the end user getting more aggressive. So uh, storage has been built the last year, and I think you'll see the basis improve you know, pretty dramatically on corn. Soybeans may be more of a fist fight uh, on the basis with the big supplies, but you also have big carries there.
0: As we wrap up talking about corn, ethanol mar- margins continue to remain on the tighter side. What are your thoughts on what's going on in that commodity?
1: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, we've uh, you know the uh, ethanol margins are uh, are uh, not what they need to be, and I think part of that goes with some of these RINS and uh, some. If if we can uh, expand E fifteen, I think all those things will be a positive, and uh, certainly. Uh, Energy has been under uh, some pressure here with crude oil here just lately. But, you know, we expect as we go through and go forward, some of these wider basis levels will get factored into this grind and uh, hopefully the margins pick up.
0: And what I love getting the opportunity to talk to you is you've got a lot of context in South America. And I know you briefly touched on what was happening down there. But can we see some pretty much a normal growing season for them, at least in the early parts to the folks that you've had a chance to to converse with?
1: Yeah, you know, I, you know, where we're where we're at on South America, you know, right now is uh, Brazil really has no real issues. Uh, you know, it looks looks like we're going to have uh, favorable conditions for the next two weeks. They're basically about forty percent planted on soybeans. The corn market is about sixty percent uh, planted, but it's an El Nino year, and an El Nino year means that uh, in South America we should be, uh, for the most part, normal growing conditions in Brazil, although a warmer ten. Argentina should be uh, the southern third of Argentina should be warmer and drier, so that's probably. the the issue there. And of course here in the Midwest in an El Nino year, which is a mild El Nino, we're supposed to be uh, above normal temperatures and uh, below normal precipitation. So what you'd say is really more of a favorable uh, winter here uh, for the Midwest, probably less feed consumption, but South America no real issues and we expect if there's a problem it's going to come from Argentina.
0: Still a lot of global talk when it comes to to some areas of Europe, the Black Sea region, and even here in in the U.S. when it comes to winter wheat plantings. Better conditions for us here, but looks like maybe some relief for the Black Sea region. Yeah,
1: you know, the Black Sea has been an issue, and I think that's the real question, Mark. It's been a, a dry drought pattern, if you will, really, in a lot of those areas. And then even in the uh, spring uh, wheat uh, crop in uh, Russia, you know, it's been kind of a struggle. They were dry and then turned wet, so some issues there. And I think what we're really watching uh, in in those areas... Particularly with Russia Wheat, they're the low-cost seller around the world, and they continue to just really pump out wheat pretty aggressively. And once they end their selling habits, we think then the the wheat market will have a chance to get a relief rally. So, you know, that's the opportunity going forward. Uh, Wheat, again, has pushed down to the low end of the last two-month trading range.
0: All right, well, stick around, folks. We have more of the Fontanelle Final Bell coming up. We're going to talk about some marketing plans you need to be thinking about As you are sitting in the combine, it's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Don Rose is joining us from U.S. Commodities. As I hinted before we left uh, for commercial break, let's talk about those guys that are sitting behind in those combines, in the grain carts. Maybe they're wondering about how they're going to do their marketings this year, considering all the variables that we talked about in the first half of this Final Bell. What are some thoughts, some advice that you have for them as they move forward?
1: Well, you know, yeah, I think when you look at it, Susan, the one thing that the producer has this year is the basis levels are historically wide, so just too wide across the whole Corn Belt. Um, but then the other thing, because of the wide basis, you do have a big carry in the market also. From December corn to July, same crop year, July 19, you have about a 23, 23.5 23 cent carry. So that gives you, uh, you know, three and a half cents a month uh, to carry the corn. So make sure you take advantage of those carries out there and uh, you know we've been hovering off and on up around $4 so you can do some hedge to arrives out there and then if you you don't think that's an opportunity and you're afraid it could move to the upside, you can buy some insurance with some March calls or call calls. Same thing in soybeans. You've got uh, about a 51 cent carry from November to July of 2019. Make sure that you secure that carry. You can get uh, soybeans just uh, recently, we're up around 940. And then if you think that price isn't something you can live with, you can, again, take advantage of the carries and buy some call calls. But, you know, try to catch a carry. To, uh, try to uh, run a system with hedge to a or some other strategy that you can get a basis improvement.
0: As we jump over to the livestock side, let's start out with with the hogs. We've, of course, got some large supplies, still dealing with a lot of African swine fever. And then the story of it being transported in luggage from China into Japan. So it shows the the possible damage that's still out there to this disease.
1: Well, you know, what we really have in the hog market is huge supplies, um and it's the big supplies versus the big disease. Disease is always the uh, great equalizer in in the hawk market, just like the weather is in the grain market. And when you have African swine fever still not under control, still spreading, still trying to figure out how how to keep it from spreading, uh, you know that's a real issue, particularly when it's in China which raises just over 50% of the world's uh, hogs. So uh, that is one thing. I think the thing you have to be real careful of And we're starting to see this a little bit, that some of these countries don't turn inward. And by that, I mean they don't, uh, they isolate and don't import pork from uh, other countries. Saw it last week where the U.S. uh, halted imports of pork from Poland due to African swine fever. You've seen China halt imports of uh, pork from Bulgaria, Japan, uh, Moldavia and uh, a couple other countries. So that's what you have to be careful of. Um, make sure you do some risk management and you can still do some window contracts where you protect yourself and still give you the upside potential in the hog. So we think risk management on $1 to $2 rallies is still the way to go. And uh, yeah, disease may turn into uh, something like the pet virus, but you just never know. And it's still uh, China still has a tariff of 62% on U.S. pork.
0: Something a little different as we look at the cattle market, increasing supplies for the fourth quarter. That's not something we've seen in a while.
1: No. And, uh, you know, if you look at it and back up, typically the reason the cattle market goes up in the fourth quarter, October, November, December, is because the supplies are actually contracting. By that, I mean the supplies are are less than they were in the third quarter. So you have supplies that are gradually getting smaller and demand underneath the market, and then weather can hit any time. This year, what we have is just the opposite. We have supplies going up. And uh, in the fourth quarter versus the third, the supplies in the fourth quarter, according to the USDA, are going to be up almost 3%. And then again in the first quarter of next year, we're going to be up almost 3.5%. So we have big supplies and, you know, how are we going to equalize the big supplies is with big demand. And that's what's been happening so far. The packer has about a $200 ahead margins right now because the beef's been strong. But watch the equity market because if the equity market continues in it's selling ways the way it's been, it may be one of those and interest rates keep going up where the economy gets a little softer and the demand goes down a little bit for beef. Hope it doesn't happen, but I think that's one reason that you keep risk management on.
0: You know, we were talking before the final bell that... Uh, cattle, the European Union, that discussion has been going on, but you brought up a really good point that 90% of our cattle, of our market for the cattle, is domestic.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, we forget that, Susan, and what the uh, cattle market is of all of our demand that we have, uh, 90% of it is the domestic market. And then we uh, export 10% of our uh, our production, but then we, uh, and those are the poor cuts, uh, our selective cuts, and but then we import about 10%, so uh, our import-exports for the most part are a zero-sum game, so you're really down to domestic consumption, and so goes your domestic demand, so goes uh, your price, and that's the, the balancing act that you have to follow, and there's an awful lot of competing uh, meats out here, poultry, uh, uh, pork, and uh, and uh, fish, so uh, competition is is uh, really fierce.
0: What's the best way, Don, for folks to get a hold of you to talk some more markets?
1: You bet. You uh, can reach us at 1-800-247.
0: And that is a look at the Fontanelle final bell. Of course, be podcast later on today. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.